Hey guys, Editor Lachlan here. Um, just uh, coming to you uh, before the show. Uh, it is about, uh, it is exactly 11 p.m. Uh, on uh, Friday night. And uh, as I was in the middle of recording our newest episode of the Creasecast, um, so a little bit of uh, additional information on the Canucks uh, COVID cases uh, drop, dropped uh, around uh, 10.30 tonight. Uh, this is from uh, Farhan Lalji and uh, as well as Darren Drager uh, over at TSN. Um, the Canucks received more positive, more positive COVID nineteen tests on Friday evening, taking the already eight confirmed case, adding to the already eight confirmed cases among their players. In addition to the new positive tests, a strain variant has been identified. Uh, that is according to Darren Drager. Um, uh, Farhan Lalji added as well that the Brazilian P1 variant of COVID-19 is likely in play here, and uh, which is obviously very concerning. And as well, um, he uh, Farhan goes on to say, as Dregs notes, some Canucks players have become very ill. I'm also being told that in some cases, team medical staff may have gone to the homes of players to administer IV treatments. Um, obviously, this is not good. And this came out uh after we recorded the show on saturday or the friday show um and i felt like we and uh the stuff that you'll hear in this episode was recorded beforehand um and because of that a lot of you know a lot of the stuff surrounding the tests themselves what happened with the team it's still somewhat like it's still uh relatively current but there is a lot of aspects that are just looking, you know, that just look worse now. And I felt like we needed to add in this little, just a little addendum to the show that that all the stuff you hear was before any of this happened. Uh, this late night news came in um, and it all, it all sucks. It's none of it's good. And, you know, there are some stuff in there like we talk about, um, we talk about what might go on in regards to the trade deadline. Uh, we talk about, you know, some of the teams that have uh, um, have signed college players. We've talked uh, about Thatcher Demko's uh, a contract extension, which was supposed to be a big deal and supposed to be a really exciting part of this week for uh, for everyone here in Vancouver. But uh, we can't really talk about that right now because it's you know like it's not as important. There is far more important things than hockey, and we touch on that in this episode. But I feel like I need to say it again for, on behalf of both of us. Uh, Cody and myself right at the top of this show, right at the top here, that um, uh, there are more important things than hockey. And right now we've got a bunch of people, not just hockey players, people of real people with families and uh, pets and children and everything else uh, that are very, very sick right now. And that just show, and they're all, you know, young people, relatively young people in their prime physical condition and it just goes to show you that you know this virus doesn't it doesn't fuck around like this isn't this is not something to take lightly and i shouldn't have to tell people this and i know again as i i think i even say it in the show that i know that um, i know the people who listen to the show are good people who wouldn't who do who do take covid seriously who wear a mask when they need to leave the house and don't leave the house if they don't absolutely need to um there are people who, um, you know, wash their hands frequently, who know that this is no laughing matter and this is nothing to joke around about. This is something we have to take very, very 
seriously and not everyone has and that's why we're in a situation where a bunch of players now um have come into contact with a new strain of a of the coronavirus that made its way over here uh that made its way over here from other parts of the world and that's and you know these players they as far as we know did absolutely everything right they followed all the guidelines they did everything they could to um you know stay safe but um again this 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 virus doesn't finds a way it finds a way and it's not good and um yeah um hopefully you know hopefully uh the rest of this week is has some better news uh brings some better news than what we've seen so far tonight and um yeah just wanted to make sure we threw this in at the top of the show the rest of the um you will hear the rest of the show as recorded and um hopefully and you know all all we can say right now because again this is a just continually developing story is that we you know we hope that uh uh all the players all their fam all their families and everyone uh involved as well as the staff as well i should add that there have been some coaches who have uh contracted uh who have contracted the the disease as well um hockey is secondary it's all about making sure these people come back healthy and are able to live the full life they would have been able to uh before they contracted covid and all you can hope for right now is just get is send nothing but love and support to all the people involved right now in the Canucks organization dealing with this right now because uh, it's going to be a very it's a very stressful this is a very stressful time um, and the the rest of this week you know it things might not be this might be a very stressful week for everybody and that's just based on my personal opinion obviously that's not based on any on any info on any info I might have because I you know I don't have that sort of stuff so. I'm just gonna, you know, go ahead and say that we hope for the best. And uh, from and with that in mind, uh, I hope uh, this episode of the show brings you some uh, brings you some uh, a little bit of an escape for the time being. And um, we will be back as always with a Tuesday episode with our show, with another episode on Tuesday, hopefully with better news to talk about. Thanks and uh, enjoy the show. This is the Cruise Cast. This is uh, it's a weird episode to be uh, talking about today, talking about stuff today, um, because you know, first thing this morning, you know, you and I both wake up, um, and immediately just the news hits of uh, eight more or seven more players uh, have tested positive yeah. for COVID, or yeah, have tested positive for COVID, and um, so and the all games have been postponed until I believe April sixth, right now, or. That might have changed since. There might. It's be... probably going to get. It's probably going to get delayed even further, especially now that they're saying it's seven players with one in co- with one from the taxi squad in pro- COVID protocol, which we'll get into later. But yeah, um, sorry, listeners of the Crease Cast. Today's episode isn't really going to be full of positives or great news. Unfortunately, <laughs> if you haven't uh, caught up yet uh the vancouver canucks had their wednesday game uh, against calgary canceled due to uh, a positive test with adam Gaudet. uh the team did a second batch of testing after their practice and 
before receiving all of those secondary tests back, the team elected to engage in their morning skate, which is, I mean, we, can get, we can get into it, but. Yeah, I, it's, it. technically speaking, they, as far as the league protocols are concerned, they didn't do anything incorrectly. Correct. But they, they were following their, the rules properly. Yes. But unfortunately, when you, anyone like watching this unfold on Twitter, because they obviously their media guys are there to live, live tweet updates as morning skates unfolding, they're tracking who's on the ice, who's not. Uh, the fact that there was anyone on the ice for a morning skate practice when they were still waiting on tests to come back on who else tested positive. If it was a COVID COVID variant, which is running rampant in BC right now, it seems like a huge, huge dereliction of duty to protect the players. I know that hockey players are very stuck in their regiments and their routine. So like I could see why, they might not want to delay their morning skate because they're so used to doing a morning skate before a game at a certain time. But when one of their own gets a positive test and pulled from practice, like an hour and a half into that practice one day, how is there not anyone in the medical staff or anyone there going, Hey, maybe we shouldn't have a morning skate at all especially if we don't have all the test results clearing everyone else. Yeah. And it's, it's not like you can't get the ice time later. It's your rank. The the arena is literally there just for the Canucks at this point. That's it. And and even, and even if, um, and even if it wasn't, it's not like there's any other events going on right now. It's not like there's any events that need need the floor. Uh, And I don't, I, and I know that there was a game, that there's a game, supposed to be a game that night, but yeah. you gotta at least just go, okay, guys, uh, please don't, sh- please don't show up at the rink yet. Stay where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the very, or, you know, there's enough empty rooms in Rogers Arena where you could go, okay, we're gonna send you guys each to your own, to, you guys go get dressed in like, literally go get dressed in the press boxes or the, the, the luxury suites or something, right? Yeah, Send each exactly. one to a, one of those, to one of those spots in the building. Tell them to just sit tight and wait. Um, they'll have to sit in their skate guards. Obviously they'll have to like sit in their skate guards, bring their skate guards with them and everything mm-hmm. so they can walk across the building and everything. But it's like, okay, we're just going to keep literally everybody separate until we know for sure what's going on. And then we will, uh, and then we'll let them through. It's a, and like, they did everything right in terms of um, the, especially the initial COVID case, like the initial COVID case, it was a little with Gaudet, it was a little bit tougher uh, because they were already in the middle of practice before things went wrong. The second one, I don't understand because I'm, I don't understand in the sense of like, well, you knew somebody got COVID and they'd literally been practicing with half your team. I, why didn't you just wait? Why didn't you just wait like 10 minutes? Maybe the, I know I'm pretty, I'm guessing, I'm taking a wild guess and saying that the Flames probably had the ice like right after, we're going to have the ice right after to themselves. Maybe. Maybe. Um, and this is, and I mean, this is just a, it's a bit, it sucks. Like this sucks. I feel bad. I don't feel bad for like, um, I don't feel bad for the league in this case. Cause that's like, you know, they're not, I, they didn't, I don't think the guidelines were really what they, they set in mind. They didn't really set, but they set the, as they did as they could. 
but I think they could have done more. Uh, I just feel bad for the players and the coaching and the coaching staff who are all like going to get stuck in, you know, have to uh, quarantine away from their families and whatnot. Oh, possibly with them. Cause I mean, they've all been well, in contact with them the, probably since then. Ba- based on some of the tweets that come out, it's kind of seems like it's just hit everyone related to the team. Um, yeah. Adam Gaudet's spouse, Michaela Gaudet was on Twitter basically saying like, she feels like shit. Adam is very unwell as well. He's like exhausted just feels like complete ass uh, uh zach McEwen's uh, girlfriend was also on twitter intimating in a sense that her and zach were not well either um it's just kind of like you you knew as soon as godette was pulled mid practice like that's kind of like the tim peel thing right like you knew it was going on but it eventually it would catch up to the league or the team and uh, it would be exposed for how stupid it is. And in this case, it is why are teams practicing or going ahead with practices before they have all available results to them? Like, okay. I don't know how it would be that difficult to mandate this and say, hey, team X, if you don't have Adam Godet's test results yet, he shouldn't be allowed in the arena to change in the locker room and uh, take the ice. Right. Uh, the fact that he was pulled an hour and a half into a practice one day and then the following day he is uh, or sorry not he but the rest of the team is showing up as if like nothing's wrong and they're practicing like it's business as usual it's business as usual there's no there's no extra precaution taken even though they had just shared a ton of ice time with someone who was positive like you, you can't be like Oh, okay. Um, we we take COVID seriously. We want the the health and safety of our players. We're putting that first, and then that same breath be like, "Oh yeah, we don't need all the test results. Just everyone come in. That's your morning skate. We're probably gonna play. Let's let's not err on the side of caution in this case because what what we're prioritizing as a team is being ready for the game at hand, which is like just mind bogglingly stupid to me. Like I don't know how this isn't really being approached by, you know, mainstream media media members. Like they're like, obviously today, a lot of people are going, Oh, in hindsight, that's pretty dumb. And it's like, well, where was this outrage on the Wednesday or sorry, the Tuesday when Adam got up, got pulled. Why, why wasn't there an outcry from people saying they should not be practicing tomorrow? Like, I, I think I tweeted out like, like, Hey, what, this is so stupid. Why is, Adam Godet, or it's very cool and good that Adam Godet is, uh, or the practice went ahead with Godet uh, before his test result came in, and then after he was pulled, like everything was just like back to normal, and right. people were like, "Oh, shut the fuck up, don't fucking whine, you don't have all the information." It's like if someone tests positive at your or I's work, we have to probably isolate depending on where we were with that person at our work, right? right. Like. It's the same thing. Like, and even if you don't come into contact with them directly, uh, they touch things during the day. Like they touch like the objects yeah. in the room. Uh, they'll, they they'll share like a big certain... buffet of food thing. And like they're one, uh, it's like a team only kind of lounge thing. Yeah, that... They breathe the same. They're breathing in the same airspace pretty much as you are regardless because you're all in the same room. Yeah. Like, like, it, like and I'm not talking about the ice necessarily. Yeah. Like the locker room, the, you know, the gym, uh, common common room like I've yeah, seen like the that, Canucks locker room before. It's a it's a big it's small space. It's but small it's, though. 
it's big, when you but have it's a shared. whole team in there. Yeah. And it's yeah, shared. It's, and you just think like they, they've always said like COVID thrives in cold weather environments. Like, well, if you've been in a rink and if you've ever been in the lower levels of rink, it's fucking cold. Cause it's Rogers a goddamn I- ice rink. And Rogers arena is like a fridge. It's so funny because I'm always like, oh, such a nice temperature in here. Whenever I I have been in there, I'm always like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I'm never freezing in there. It's always nice. And warm. I I usually I usually run pretty hot when I go to a game anyway because I usually put a sweater under the jersey mm. with pants. Yeah. So I'm, I'm usually always pretty toasty anyway. But like the Botchford Project or whatever, I was wearing you know my like dress suit, so I was like in like very thin clothing, and I was like, hey, it's a uh, kind of chilly in here i kind of get why the why the media guys are complaining a bit it's a little, <laughs> that's so uh, funny because literally bit much i don't remember if i i don't think i don't think i was cold during that game or when i did my giants game a uh, little bit of a different circumstance uh but i remember think i don't i don't remember what the temperature was for that that's that's interesting maybe i was i you might I have not noticed because like you were just so excited to actually be in a game uh, you'll go back probably. now and it'll be such a long time since you've been in a rink you'll be like oh so, uh, it's a freezer in here. God, I wouldn't. God, what I wouldn't give to go back right now. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, well, um, not, right, the, not today. Yeah, not today, not especially. Um, no. But yeah, unfortunately, um, I think Jay Pat was the first person to uh, post a tweet of the added names to the COVID protocol, which drives me insane further because you know all of these guys were probably put in bigger danger by going to that morning skate than they would have been uh just with the playing or practicing with god at anyway on tuesday uh obviously like if any of these guys contracted it from god at like there's nothing the team could have done on that tuesday which again drives the focus on the whole why are they practicing without test results in the first place but then to make them go to morning skate the following day uh i mean one of those seven names outside of uh godette's or sorry, one of those six names outside of Godet's probably contracted it on that Wednesday morning skate, which makes you just like tear your hair out and go like, what, what is going on? What are we even doing here? Um, and uh, as we were talking about uh, before we started recording, we were looking at this list and we were like, man, it is just a list of like the who's who of Canucks players who've just had it so rough this season. Like, Alex Edler has taken a huge step back with his skating. He's looking like really old and slow. It hasn't been his best season. Uh, Godet struggled to score. Like he kind of like looked okay in this bounce back playing uh, with um, occasionally with VC and then occasionally up with Miller. Uh, and then Travis Hamanick, he had that injury to start. He's got, you know, complications with his daughter that's like, the that like one he really, took, that one like really that one's the worst one because it's like he met he like Adrian's post post pointed this out on the Vancast that Hamonic or maybe Patterson um, that Hamonic opted out of the playoff bubble despite the fact that he had only played five playoff games in the last five years and as everyone knows about hockey players like they it's all about what you can do for the team what you can do to help your team win. And the fact that he opted out was probably a very difficult decision for him considering where he was at with Calgary at that time. And then to come into this season, he got his no movement clause. Specifically uh, for that reason. Specifically for that reason, because he was worried, like obviously his daughter's health comes first and he does not want to be, you know, a million miles away midway through the season because the team traded him to New York. Like he did everything under his power to, you know, protect that his family and put his family first. And then he 
basically gets put into an endangering situation by the Canucks team because they elected to practice without test results, which blows my mind. Um, but the other guys on that list uh, who struggled this season, like Braden Holtby hasn't really found his form. He hasn't, he hasn't really had that resurgence that a lot of people thought was going to happen when he was with Ian Clark. Quinn Hughes has completely regressed in his defensive ability. He's still an offensive monster, but like just the defensive side of the game has been like a complete train wreck this year. Uh, Zach McEwen hasn't had the scoring touch that he had last year. He's looked okay in brief stints, but he's really struggled to kind of find this form that like vaulted him into contention of being an everyday NHLer at the conclusion of last season and prior to the playoff bubble. And has really and, not um, gotten the, and hasn't gotten the trust of Travis green for most of the season. A lot of games no. where he plays no, where he plays very little ice time and when, yeah. and that's when he's not being healthy scratched. Exactly. And then the last guy on that list is another guy who hasn't really earned the trust of the coach either, which is Antoine Roussel. And that's, Mostly because I want to say his uh, skating has kind of taken a hit or his mobility has taken a hit because of his knee surgery. He still looks like, like he's got good burst speed, uh, like in a pinch, like he can go really fast uh, in brief little spurts, but there's no 200 foot game. Like he isn't the Antoine Roussel in that first year of his deal deal where it looked like the team had just like struck gold with this two way forward who was going to be like a dominant creator for them. And then the last guy on the list is Cole Lind, who is on the list purely because he's been called up to the taxi squad. It's not like an actual COVID positive test. We hope. We hope. We hope. Like, I mean, that would be just unbelievable if he actually tested positive. Like, just just a rotten string of luck. So, I mean, the question does become just like, why, why are teams practicing without test results? Like, you and I can sit here till we're blue in the face and go, like, like we know how reckless and dangerous it is to to put yourself in a room with someone that tested positive or in a group of people that were exposed to someone that was positive so why how can an like a near billion dollar franchise organization just ignore common medical sense um i think i saw someone saying like oh we don't we still don't know what like the dangers of covid or whatever or how it how it spreads and it's like Somebody okay, but said that. Jesus. yeah, and I was like, okay, but we know enough. We know, we know enough, enough that if go, someone hey. tests positive and is in a locker room with all these people, you should probably err on the side of caution and shut shit down so you can make sure everyone's safe. Yeah, a bunch of teams did that in the early parts of the season where if they had even a false, like hell, I think the Canucks did it at one point yeah, where when they found out Dirty Ben, they just ben shut down everything Judy for the for a couple days and they were just like okay nope mm -mm, everyone stay home and then for some reason they decided not to this time and now it has completely come back to bite them yeah um teams looking at like i don't know how many games now going to be tacked on at the end of their season there's a lot of implications on twitter today that they're like there's no way games are probably gonna get canceled like there's there's revenue on the line for sportsnet so probably there's going to be six or seven games bump to the very end of the season and then playoffs just get delayed while while teams play catch up which for a team like the canucks who you know they finally got their break in the schedule they were complaining about how montreal had their break even though it wasn't a break it was literally a shutdown because of covid like how 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 awfully ironic is it that antoine roussel is spending his week off complaining about the week that 
the week off that Montreal had, even though it was because of COVID. And then five days later, he's on the COVID protocol list because the team is exposed to Adam Gaudet and COVID for however he managed to get it. That is some, some horrific, horrific irony. Like, yeah. Oh man. It's, it's, it's like the Rudy Gobert thing when he's touching all the microphones at the end. Oh, and then the that, next day it's like that, every, the whole world shut down because he had tested positive him and Tom Hanks. And literally that, that shot of him touching the mics is forever burned in my memory. Yeah, like I is. will never, I'll never be able to unsee it when I hear his name ever. Yeah. So it's, um, it's the same thing. Like, Antoine Rousset is on a press conference complaining about a break in the schedule for Montreal because of COVID, not because they had a scheduled break, but a COVID outbreak. And here he is a week later on a COVID break because the team has been exposed. Like, man, that is some karmic or cosmic justice or whatever at work in some dark and depressing way. Unfortunately. Yeah. Like it's just shitty. Um, It's shitty the impact on the season is going to be huge. Like when they come back, Montreal is probably going to be completely caught up in games played. So is Winnipeg. Every team's going to be caught up to them in games played. And I think right now Montreal is something like four games back or three games back, but they're like seven or eight points ahead now. Something like that. Like they're playing it right is, now, I believe. Or... It, it was, I mean, you and I have talked about it like the entire season, basically like the season was likely toast anyway, because of how bad that February was. Like there's just no way they could conceivably catch up uh, on like, you know, with all the games they played, like they would have to have gone like 16, one and three, like just points in every single game, basically to even have a shot. And now they're going to be coming back off of probably a two week, maybe two week minimum break because of COVID. And they're and not going to be coming back rested. That's for darn sure. No, like, like they're going to be like yeah. lethargic. They're going to be coming back feeling like shit. Like look at any athlete, like look at Mika Zibanejad. Like it took him like the entire season to recover from his COVID stint. And um, like granted it paid off with like a four point game against Philly or whatever it was. It eventually got back to normal, but it Right, took, but it, it was forever. such a long time that like that's time that the Canucks don't, they're not afforded because now they're going to have their already truncated back half of the season uh, made even more truncated because they're going to have to jam in like six or seven games into this schedule, like tough break made even worse. Like, so if you're one of these players that was like already on the team thinking, Oh man, it's going to be fucking tough to come back from this hole. We dug ourselves and then sitting idly by for like a week and a half on COVID protocol and being asked to return and do like seven back-to-backs in a month to catch up on all the games you missed. You know what I mean? It's going to be like for anyone that was hopeful or still remained hopeful uh, that they might make playoffs. Like I'm so sorry. This is it. This is it. It's over. It just, it literally just fell into the ocean. Like there's not, and, and frankly, at the end of the day, really, that's secondary. Like, that's not important at the end yeah, of the like day. Yeah, like, at the end of the like, day, like, like it, I doesn't, could give it really a, doesn't I could, matter. I could give a rat's ass if they went, oh, if they went winless for the rest of the year, as long yeah. as it meant, if that, if it took going winless uh, for the rest of the year to get all those players back healthy with no COVID mm-hmm. issues, I will take, with no lingering COVID issues, I would take that in a heartbeat. Because who get, cause yeah, at the, exactly. cause at the end, who gives a shit about two points when people's, 
uh, help yeah, is that? Like that's is that, that's the thing. That like, what are, what thing. are we arguing here? Um, the Canucks are, you know, their season's in the crapper. They're, everything's gone wrong. They don't have the cap space to get better. They don't have the deals that they can easily move out without shedding assets. Uh, everything has gone wrong, and it's basically the year is a wash. And to see that guys are basically endangering their lives going to a morning practice for a lost season, like that's 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 a tough look. And y- you hate to see it, especially in the last year of Quinn Hughes and Pedersen's ELCs. Like they are not going to be cheap. Right. Um, and I said but, to you on and I said to you on uh, on our, in the the DMs today, we talked about I talked about how it's like you're you're almost like thankful that Pedersen is injured right now and not available to play on the ice and necessarily be as engaged because frankly, he might, because he might, he's, he might be one of the few players that's actually like, uh, won't get hit here, uh, depending on how much, uh, cause again, it might, cause we've already had talk today. Uh, uh, I believe Ian McIntyre, uh, on sport from Sportsnet. Uh, wrote an article today talking about how they're pretty sure it's only going to get worse. There's going to be more yeah, positives there, tomorrow. After and, that morning skate, there's no way that th- it's not going to get worse. No, no, not not. And for not just for the players, but for the staff, the equipment people, like anyone yeah. who comes into close contact with that team. Um, and okay, one thing I would like to say as well, while we have the, while I have the floor, is uh, hey, if you're somebody who's going and uh, complain and uh, going and being rude to uh, the players or their significant others on social media because they got COVID and are trying to like blame them, uh, go fuck yourself. How about that? Yeah, straight uh, up. because hey, like hey, like as far as I mean, from what I've heard, they've done nothing wrong. They didn't. They don't know how they got it. It's not like. It's not like he's it's, straight up. It's not like any of these players have ever been like, oh, you mask wear, wearing sheeple or anything. Like, no, they've yeah. been following all the rules the whole season. And uh, for you to go out and basically blame and whine, whine at them for getting sick with a disease that just about every one of us has had our lives impacted by uh, and, and complain at them like it's somehow their fault for c- coming into contact yeah, with like, it. And just because you can't watch your favorite, your, your sports your sports for two and a half hours like seriously go yeah, like, fuck go off. jump off a cliff why don't you yeah like um, get a get a life get a hobby that's get a different hobby because clearly this one's not for you because you don't care about human human lives yeah like really like they're, they're people first like the like, granted they are they're afforded the luxury of being able to play a pro sport for a living and are paid very handsomely for it but that does not erase the fact that they are humans and that doesn't uh, give you a right to be yeah to, that does not give you ownership yeah you do not get ownership of a player's livelihood just because you're you bought a fucking jersey once and you paid to go see tickets or whatever you just no. like they, they, you. you don't matter um like they, a guy like zach McEwen, for example who had like as we said hasn't had a good year in the past 365 days he's lost his father he lost his puppy uh now he's afflicted with COVID. Like you do not need to be going into the guy's fucking Instagram or on his Twitter and giving him and his girlfriend shit for getting exposed and canceling hockey. Like hockey does not fucking matter. It's a fucking game. Okay. We sit here and we critique it and critique the way that a team is managed so that they might win the prestigious award that comes with being like one of the best teams. But at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. So cool it we're don't, we're very... don't be giving Michaela Godet shit because she 
is a human who is allowed to go grocery shopping like are are you yeah. kidding me people are like <laughs> like um sending or someone was sending around like that clip from the broadcast live thing where they were trying to like say oh it's look at what she does like what what do you mean yeah, she went saying to the it like it's a gotcha moment too like, like yeah like what she went to the grocery she went to the grocery store like you know yeah. every one of us has to do um yeah. i didn't i didn't realize that that's it's, against the rules apparently um it's it's just a huge it's just it's such a disaster we're we're very fortunate that you and i get to talk about hockey every single like twice a week uh and generally well technically you and i talk every single day we're very Mm -hmm. lucky that we get to do that not everyone gets is afforded that in it within itself and you guys who are listening to us you're afforded the luxury to be able to you know spit sit and spend about hour like a few hours like an hour or two of your day just listening to hockey stuff like that's not yeah. something a lot of people like it might sound like a like a like like a god-given right almost but it's a privilege at the end of the yeah, day to get to, to not only to get to do what you and i do but to get to listen to, to the stuff that people put out every single day about uh, a part of the about world a hobby that, <laughs> about a hobby about a yeah. hobby that doesn't yeah. matter uh that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things like yeah. it might matter to you and i more than than it than it than uh it should Mm-hmm. Uh, necessarily like in terms of what actual world well, the importance but that's not really the point at the end of the day i'll it's pause about... it this way i'll pause it this way too like look at me and you like we talk about this on a podcast that has a very small reach but we do it every single or every second day or whatever because we care and we're passionate we yeah. obviously love hockey to a extensive degree yes, but we don't love it most things but we don't love it to the point of we are going to blame hockey players for contracting a disease that is affecting a global population because we're not fucking psycho okay the people that are like going after them are like they want i mean there's a there's a it's basically just type basically of the person who is going after the wet like the hockey wags uh for the players or the players but like it seems like they're directing their rage towards like the hockey wags like the people going after michaela godet and are like you like you dumb bitch you should have just been staying home all day and it's like that's obviously a type of mentality in a certain fan base or miss like fan group and i use fan very likely in this instance because they obviously want their women to be placated, do nothing, stay at home, make them dinner and not do anything at all. You know what I mean? Like the types of people that do this shit are like going after the hockey wags are just like complete sex knobs. There's this idea in just that for some reason, people think that like their favorite entertainers and like athletes and what have you um basically just owe that owe them even though in reality what they're you're getting like hours of entertainment for generally for free to uh out from that what they do if anything you owe them for what you you know for them being able to give you all these great hours of moments of time so i and maybe and when i say owe them i don't mean like oh here i need to like you know send you like it's not like i you need to send me like you know do physical gifts or something it's literally just like hey when they get sick with a disease how about you just give them some respect and time like just to let them uh go work through it people have lives far away from the things that they do and from the things that you might get enjoy out of them enjoy from them and you 
you owe it to them as someone who claims to be a fan of their work and everything they do uh, to when to let them like live in peace for especially when it comes to a disease that we don't know anything about that could potentially for a lot of these players yeah. uh, shorten the amount of time that they're able to play the sport that you enjoy because already there's a lot of concern about what are the long-term ramifications of COVID? We don't necessarily know everything about that, but we do know that a lot of people have been coming out of it with um, not so, with uh, less than 100% uh, lungs anymore. And that's kind of very important when it comes to sports and athletics. If you don't, if your lungs are not capable of doing the same things they could before, uh, it's very hard to play, to do any sort of physical activity, especially at an elite an elite level where you are the 1% of the best in your field in that, in that sport. So, yeah. Hey, kind of a big deal. <laughs> like, we'll, st well, I won't, we won't go any farther on this because again, it's not worth it to give trolls the time because they don't listen to the show anyway. All the good, all the people who listen to our show are, are good people and people true. who don't, who don't need to hear this. Cause the, we, we the trust biggest, you. The biggest troll is, is currently one of the hosts of the show. So, uh, that's true. You are you are true. a troll, but um, you're a tr yeah. you're a troll in the sense of uh, when uh, Francesco Aquilini tweets stuff like well, keeping the this this on track after yeah. literally after postponements instead of saying hey I, my heart goes out to everything in the team team uh, where yeah, you would that, just be like oh God, send me some chicken parm yeah we won't start I didn't even want to I didn't even want to get into the chicken parm with. Frankie today I, he that's gave me two fine. chances with two tweets in like the span that, of an hour but that's fine speaking, because you're gonna speaking of Frankie gonna... wanting to tweet um this is when we get into the the what what should have been a very fun thing to talk about but it kind of got ruined you know what I mean <laughs> yeah like, I know I'm so excited to talk about this next thing because and I I'm sure you all know what it is but uh yeah, I'm but, so uh, sad that it's masked darkness yeah well it's also tainted by the the actual news that was dropped itself because there's a lot of like things that kind of go into the background of this announcement and we are talking about of course Thatcher Demko's contract extension because obviously Lachlan's a big goalie guy for whatever reason he thinks the role's important I don't quite understand it well, that's because um, you're, uh, you're just not as uh, you're just not as cool as I am you don't understand the true. game at my level have you even played like have you even where's your hockey DB pitch I mean like, I honestly, have a, I have a baseball glove so I basically know what it takes to be a goalie at the Show NHL me your level. elite prospects page, and then this we'll is true. Talk. Okay, it, no. you should. You guys should check out <laughs> Lachlan Irvine's uh, uh, elite prospects page. I I do have one. He that does is, have uh, one. That's not a, that's not a bit. That's actually he true. I he do called have one. in it's a favor. Very... He called in a favor with friend of the program, uh, JD Burke, to get yes. himself. Elite thanks, buddy. Page. Thanks, thanks for thanks yeah. for setting that up for me. But anyway, <laughs> four uh, college games. <laughs> hell yeah! Hey, that's four more than most people, man. Um, I guess five five years. $5 million. That's the Thatcher Demko extension that was granted. Um, it's kind of like, like how funny, like, field. like the funny thing about like the COVID timeline is where you kind of just go over it and you're like, like in hindsight. And at the time, everyone was kind of like, this doesn't seem right. There's like, this seems wrong. Uh, the same kind of thing with the Thatcher Demko extension where Francesco Eccolini tweets out, he doesn't understand why the team is playing like shit what outstanding goaltending we're getting we're getting though so he tweets out his support of the goaltender and then not seven days later not like a week later uh thatcher demko of all players that everyone has been rumoring to be 
getting extension gets one knocked out of the park in seven days. Uh, there's been all this talk about, you know, Tanner Pearson on the agenda to get a deal. Uh, there's the Elias Pedersen and the Quinn Hughes deals that the team has to figure out too. Uh, but the first thing on the docket for Jim and company, apparently uh, a mandate from ownership was well, to get the goal. I mean, we don't know that for, okay. We don't again, know that the for time, so don't, the timeline, allegedly, remember, allegedly. the timeline indicates that this was clearly an ownership uh, right, directive right, because, still- because who announced the, tr- the, sorry, not the trade, the extension. Um, Aqua. The Aquaman himself, which is, yes. I mean, he, which is rare. It's very rare in the NHL. that an owner is proud to announce the signing and extension of a player. Um, apparently, or even the team's social media does it or anything else. Like, like it is very bizarre that the team or sorry not the team but insider sources like in the media like rick dollywall elliot freeman were announcing this contract and then before the team even has like a, a prepared uh press junket uh the rumors start or not the rumors but the media starts then go coming out with uh information suggests that ownership was not happy that this news leaked out and then oh after i didn't that, see that yeah, i missed yeah. that yeah, and then after that tweet came out from, you know, Drance or Dollywall or whoever it was, then Francesco Aquilini announces how happy he is with Thatcher Demko's signing. So I know you you kind of want to be like, oh, we don't know if it was ownership, but the the fact okay. that the fact that this came from a tweet from Francesco tells me he or his brothers or whoever, like the the, the Aquilini patriarchy said we know Demko's our guy tell Jim to sign this kid and that took priority one for the next seven days for Jim and he got signed to his deal so now the Canucks are looking at next year's cap with uh less than 20 million remaining to sign Pedersen Hughes um rejig their defense because they need to do something better than Edler and uh, Travis Hamanick and Jalen Chatfield. And they need to do something about Tyler Myers. Now, now hold on here. Now, hold on here. Uh, You're, you're almost making it sound like uh, you're, you're making it sound almost like you don't think they should have given him that money, Um, which maybe we're going to get into, but uh, I mean, so here's, were you going to not like, so here's my thing. You needed to sign Demko, but I am of the notion that it is bold to invest five years into a goalie with such a small sample size because he's kind of like a Tanner Pearson in like the streaky sense where he'll be a fine 1B for like an extended period, but then he'll be an elite Vesna caliber goaltender in another stretch of period. So his February was when he was just okay. And his okay on a good team would probably be completely fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like if he was, if he was a one B to Colorado, then his, his okay effort would still help them win games. But on a team as shitty as the Canucks, his okay effort isn't enough because he needs to be a Vezina caliber goaltender at all times to give them wins. Uh if Demko manages to find a form where he is 
playing March Bubble Demko or Boobly Demko as uh, Wyatt aren't from the stanchion or the stanchion. I might have to get uh, one of those shirts. It. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Um, if he finds that March form for like the rest of his tenure, like where he's a an elite Vesna caliber goaltender for every year of this five year deal, then five million for for that is a fucking bargain. You will take that any day of the week. Look at like the Matt Martin or sorry, no, the Martin Jones, um, the Martin Jones contract, for example, he's locked to it. Like a, it was like a six year, 5.275 or something deal. And they cannot move that deal to save their lives because he became dog shit. And even um, just to, and even just to kind of play devil's advocate towards your point, uh, Martin Jones did get a Stanley cup finals appearance to a yeah. Stanley cup final. So he, he had a, he got the contract res- after it, right? Yeah, he got I the think, contract yeah. after he set after he went to the finals in his first year with the Sharks. So there's there was a precedent set there of a guy who yeah. could go to cha- who could take a team to right. a cup, to a to a cup within two wins of a cup. So right. that is that does look a little concerning when you're giving so much to a guy who's did yeah, very well gonna, in three playoff games. Yeah, you're they're basically betting that Demko will like that three game sample size is something that he can repeat like in the future. And honestly, if you're the Canucks and you think like you go back to like Jim's press conference that went to hell, if he really believes in two years, once all the terrible money's off the books, they don't spend on like aging free agents or whatever. And they are actually really smart with their money. Maybe in two years, that $5 million Vesna caliber goaltender is what puts them over the edge and makes them an actual elite caliber team. But for me, just betting on a goaltender, like betting long on a goaltender uh, is risky. I would have been fine with them giving him like a short-term deal and then going for the UFA deal when he turns 27 instead of buying his UFA years now, because in five years, they'll probably have to look at extent, like say he is a Vesna caliber goaltender. It is a champagne problem, but if you need to extend a 31-year-old Thatcher Demko who's given you five years of Vesna caliber goaltending, he's going to cost you a lot. And once the Niels Hoglander deals are up, the Bod Colson deals need extension, like you're going to be really up against the cap again. Granted, it will be for a champagne problem issue where you're paying for good players and not the Jay Beagles and Antoine Roussels of the world. But you might be into the same situation as you were with Markstrom where you finally have your Fezna caliber guy, but he goes because he can't afford him. So hopefully that doesn't happen. I'm, I'm fine with the deal. I'm just, I'm, I'm reticent to say betting long on any goaltender is a good idea. And especially one that only has like 60 something games of experience at the NHL level where 50% of them are actually like, elite caliber quality goaltending but you're a goaltender you're biased so why go. don't we go on to the next section because you probably have uh, nothing to say about no. this <laughs> hell no this is my time now i have, i have yeah. the floor here okay look you i when i did i did i not say at the beginning of the seat or bef- in, before into the in the right at the start of the off season that when it came time to decide what to do with your future, if you were going to re-sign Jacob Markstrom or you were going to go back to, or you were going to trust Demko, mm-hmm. I said, you should go to Demko. He's going, he's ready. He's shown, even if it was a small sample size, he's shown he can do it at the, and even in that, in the, even in that sample size of like three games against the Knights, 
I saw the start of a goaltender who was, you know, who's going to be a great number one and who's, and it maybe was going to take a year to get there. And I think, uh, because again, when you go from being, you know, on the bench and playing only maybe once a week, once a week at, or at most, usually once every two weeks behind, mm-hmm. like, you know, Markstrom level goaltending at the, t- well, Markstrom level goaltending at the time. You, it's very hard when you're all of a sudden like, okay, you're the number one guy now. It's very hard to find that consistency right out of the gate because you have to you have to basically retrain a lot of your system um, because you know because you're playing so many games in such a short period of time that you're that you're you know you're even your day to day strategy of the way you approach your training changes like how much maybe you're working at practice how much how much energy you're putting in in, in like uh game day practice changes how many uh reps you do at the gym changes every little bit of your routine more or less changes just slightly because of the changes like slightly but every single day because of how much more hockey you're playing right. and I knew it was going to take some time. Like it wasn't going to be Demko was not going to come out. I think a lot of people expected Demko to come out and just be bubble Demko the second he started playing games again, which I was very like, okay, skeptical about. I was like, no, hold on. He's it's going to give you have to he has to retrain this. Remember last year, it took him some time. It definitely took him some time yeah. last year when Markstrom got hurt. Yeah, it looked like they were ho- they were hoop because he because he he hadn't played in forever, so they needed oh. him to regain his form because he just wasn't used to playing. Yeah, they needed him to regain his form and be able to regain it quick enough to play three games a night, three games a week, yeah. and that's a lot. That's a lot. Even if you've been sitting for, there is no amount of uh, energy you can save by sitting on the bench. It's like the whole. It's like the whole idea of oh, even if you starve yourself for a week, you're gonna if you, once you eat a certain amount of food uh, for a meal, you're gonna be full anyway. Like that's yeah. just how the the body works. And with Demko, I don't. I look at his track record, and I don't see a problem. I do see obviously it's a small it's a small sample size, but this is a goaltender who has shown that he can play, not only can he play when he's on consistently well, because I don't buy that it's been an inconsistency thing. I think it was very much a, this is a goaltender coming into the start of a year uh, as the starter for the first time in his life, and he has to relearn a lot of, and he has to learn a lot of new things again uh, because of it. I I, don't, I am not worried one bit about what he's going to be able to do. I, I don't see why he can't be this goaltender, this kind of goaltender that he is right now, that he's been playing as for the last few months, every single night. And I mean, again, because this is a sad episode, I do have to throw in the aspect of uh, COVID could, if he gets COVID, that could be something that does throw a wrench into things. Oh God. Which is, why would you put I, that into the ethos? Because I have to, because I have to, <laughs> and I hate it. I hate that I have to, but look. Lachlan, you're me, always so negative on this program. I know. I'm, I'm always, always trying to tell you to be more positive. I know. Uh, you never it's, have it's, to it's, tell me this. It's, it's, it's just my, it's just who I am. But look, <laughs> five years is not a long time. People are acting like this is some like, oh, they've given him this, this, uh, this max deal. that's going to take him into his mid thirties. Are you crazy? Like, no, he's 20. How old is he? He's 25. He'll be He'll be 30 by the time it's done. Like he'll be 30 years old and that's it. You have, will have get, you'll have gotten all of his best years and, and uh, there'll still be at least one or two more to go likely after it. 
Maybe he's not, maybe expecting him to be Vesna level goaltending every single year, that might be asking too much, but to expect him to be consistently good mm -hmm. and strong in net and not be a liability is not. I think he's proven he can do it. He's taken a huge step forward, especially like right, I talked to right at the beginning of the year and how much quicker and how much more athletic he looks in net. And that's kept up for the entire season. He doesn't look tired. He hasn't looked tired more or less. They've done a good job at not overplaying him, mm -hmm. um, which is, which is very important. And they, and I see this, the, the makings of a goalie who's going to be huge, a huge part of this team for the entirety of that five-year contract. It's not going to come back to bite them. I don't think five well, years is not a lot of time. And with, the way that he's been playing, I see the stability. I see the I see the way that he is building and taking the pieces required to turn into a proper good NHL goalie for and consistent NHL goalie for long for a long time to come. And I mean, I I th I see like all the people saying like it's concerning and they're worried about it. I mean, the Canucks haven't had a problem, haven't had a situation like this, like an extension like this. Like, have ever really been able to give one aside from Luongo, like something like, to give this kind of extension out to a goaltender, with the exception of maybe Corey Schneider, uh, since in the last, you know, since 2007, whenever Lou came here, came to town. Before that, it was a goalie graveyard. You couldn't get, you couldn't buy a save uh, to save your life. So I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth here when you have a goaltender who's playing as well as he has and say and say that he doesn't that five years is too long or five and five million is going to hurt them like this is this is a good contract this is a very good contract the one thing that does have to be factored in a little bit is ian clark who they do not have signed yet who they have not have an extension nor they on. have any intimations that they are planning on re-signing him or that he's on the docket uh right. they had come out in the past week saying that there's a deal in principle to re-sign travis green but ownership won't sign off on it which I mean, massive red flags abound because here we're talking about a, a goalie deal that seems uh, precipitated by what the ownership wants. And here's a deal that's something that the ownership or sorry, that the GM group wants and ownership won't sign off on it. So, I mean, obviously Demko's deal and Green's deal wouldn't take effect until next year. So they're not, they're not hurting their wallets by signing any kind of deal. But the fact that the GM has a deal in principle that he wants Travis Green long-term, or sorry, not long-term, but to continue being their coach, but the ownership doesn't sign off on it, tells me that ownership has taken over a bit to the point yes. of where they're obviously, there's a hand like from my, my Brian, fully in the cookie jar. From my, from my Berkey book review, he always talks about how he would only take uh, take control of a team if both of his hands were on the steering wheel. He will never work for a team where the ownership group has a hand on the wheel because he needs it to be his team in his direction. The Demko he signing leave in 2004, the year I think they signed the deed over to the Aquilini. So that would so, kind of uh, maybe line up there. So, yeah, like, I mean, obviously the Aquilini's have a hand on the steering wheel now. And. Holy. I mean, I believe they've probably had a hand on the steering wheel since 2011, frankly. They didn't want to rebuild. They wanted Tortorella. That was an ownership decision. Like, there's a lot of a lot of issues that fans have with Jim Benning that you can arguably trace to ownership. And, 
I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, I think the Demko deal is going to be fine in the long run. Like, I have faith that he's going to be good. Like, I, I've, I've watched him in the AHL. The guy's composed. He, he plays great. He's transitioned nicely and naturally to the NHL level, and he's provided them like elite goaltending at a time when they desperately needed it. Um, but yeah, like I, I can't like I can't even look at or focus on the deal itself as just like a objective, like, Oh, it's a good deal. There's no, no, no trade protection at the back half of it. So like, say he regresses just a bit or say, so say the team is like imploding for the next three years, Demko at $5 million with no move protection is a very, very nice asset. You can move for probably a, a good premium if you were in that case where you need to rebuild you know what i mean there's so, not even a no trade clause to worry about if things did go awry so like yeah like which i don't think again it won't i think he'll be here for the whole contract but right know, but you, like if, if worse comes to worse like that's a good deal like that's a great contract on a solid player you could move for considerable assets frankly but i i have a hard time focusing just on the deal and not focusing on the big picture at hand, which is the ownership side of it. That is clearly not met. I don't want to say meddling, but obviously they're involved considerably in executive decisions now, which it's, it's literally like, it's like taking a photo of a flower growing in the middle of a just war torn city. Basically it's that kind of thing. And that's a very dark analogy and I don't know why I went for it, but it's, yeah, there's a lot of question. There's a lot of worry about how involved ownership is. And I mean, maybe for some people, they'll look at that as a as a sign of, oh, well, Jim Benning's gone and that's great. Well, that might be, that might sound ap- appealing on the surface, but, he, but if they have their hands this involved, who's to say they won't just uh, hire somebody to be, you know, a puppet for the next time. Yeah. Like, maybe that's what, what they thought they were getting in Jim Benning too. You have no idea, right? Maybe like, and uh, that's why, again, we've talked about the president of hockey ops and how important that is, yeah. but with, and there's also the Ian Clark thing with how he does not have a contract yet. And it does mm-hmm. not seem like he, and I saw a lot of people and saw just about everybody who uh, talking about the deal on Wednesday. Yeah. That was actually was saying, the best part about the Frankie tweet was just everyone in the replies going now sign Clark. Yeah, literally please. one of, literally one of the few times that just about everybody on Canucks Twitter who might hate, who generally hates each other uh, yeah. was in full agreement of signing that, and Clark. That was one of, well, that was one of my favorite memes to make was the, uh, the epic, oh, uh, oh, yeah. epic handshake. And it was like Benning bros and uh the negative or team negative and then it was like signee and clark was the handshake because it's true it's like everyone knows like yeah the demco contract is completely fine but you want to make it great long term keep ian clark a guy who has a running track record of success with goaltenders just do it now i do want to preface that by saying i've seen a lot of people go and say look at what happened to bobrovsky and markstrom uh, the minute they left Ian Clark and how they turned terrible, Ian Clark left and they got terrible. Uh, yeah. Like in pointing to that, like the compare, like as like a big importance of why you should sign Ian Clark. They should sign Ian Clark, but let me mm-hmm. put it this way. If Ian Clark was a great, Ian Clark is a great goaltending coach. Um, it, it, he wouldn't be a good goaltending coach if the minute he leaves a team, the goaltender got bad what the goaltender started well, getting bad he like what he gives them as a coach is 
a sustainable ability to build something to be become great. He doesn't the build. He's able to put the building blocks in place. What's not it's not so much about who the person is as much as it is does the organization provide the stability and say if they bring in a new coach will they bring in somebody who's going to take the build the the the, the construction that Ian Clark has already put in to make them better to make them either make them better or keep it on the right track right, right. which is why i which is where i argue like ian clark is a very good is a is a great coach but that doesn't necessarily mean that the second he leaves your team your goaltender is going to start sucking that's just not that's in fact that should that should tell you why he that well why he is a good coach because otherwise yeah. because no one would want to hire the guy if the second he left the goaltenders always just turned to mush. That would be bad. That would be really he, bad. That would look bad on him. So he's in if, he's in demand because every time he goes to a team, he manages to create a Vesna caliber goaltender within two years of being there, right? Like right. Markstrom so, was not a Vesna caliber contender in 2017 to 18. But right. in 2019-20, everything that Ian Clark had worked on him with suddenly turned him into a Vesna caliber goaltender. And yeah. We talk and about a lot on this program about how like the Calgary Flames are clearly checked out. Like you can see it in their play. Like that, so I almost can't even really fault. Like I can't and, even say like, oh, Markstrom's just a shitty goalie or whatever no. without Clark. Well, I think he's good, I, but the team on, in front of him is terrible. And I said on the last episode that this team, that the Flames have a track record of literally taking decent goaltenders and turning yeah. them to garbage. Like yeah. that happens it's the, all it's the their time thing. with them because they've literally because they literally haven't put put together a sustainable goaltending system, like a, a proper coaching system for development system for their goalies. Like yeah. outside of Mika, like since Mika Kippersoft, they've just gone through a carousel of different guys. And that's because they don't have the system in place. That's the reason why Markstrom's not doing well in Calgary. It's because they didn't have a, pro they don't have a proper system built to make it, to keep him at the level that he should be. It's not because it's not because he necessarily he's specifically without Ian Clark. It's because mm -hmm. they don't have anyone even close to Ian Clark to take him to keep him going and keep him uh, on the right track. Lots of yeah. lots of teams have that problem. That's the same thing with the Blue Jackets after after he left. That's the same thing with the Panthers after he left. And it looks like they might be turning things around with some of the other guys. Like uh, Ian Clark, they should absolutely they should absolutely keep. But I just I just want to preface it by being like okay. If if he does end up leaving, please don't immediately assume that Demko is just going to turn into hot garbage. That's not yeah. how it works. That's he's still not, good. He's and still good. He's still good. It's a matter of if if Ian Clark did leave, would they bring in somebody just as capable to keep the ship to keep the ship going? Like it's like it's like when the Canucks brought in Roly Melanson after Ian Clark left them the first time uh to work with Luongo he didn't t he didn't immediately go oh Ian Clark's method sucks I'm going to teach you a entirely a brand new system right he was like okay we're going to change just this little aspect I think this will help you and right. that's it and then sure enough Luongo was a Vesna can candidate the very next year uh after a couple years of already being incredibly good well, like I will posit that um uh David Quadrelli had a piece for Canucks Army where he interviewed Curtis Sanford Yes. Uh, Beautiful comments where he basically, in so many quotes, said, I am basically a clone of Ian Clark. Anything that Ian Clark teaches is something that he taught me when I was a goaltender for him. So yes. there's no disconnect. Basically, whatever Ian Clark wants at the NHL level is stuff that I am teaching my guys at the AHL level. So right. I wonder 
if internally ownership is saying, I don't want to renew Ian Clark at X dollar tag because it'll be too much when I have his clone who teaches the exact same principles down on my AHL team who I can re-sign to a lesser dollar, but well, still get the same results. You know what I mean? Like, well, if that's, that's your, if, if that's your, uh, your plan, um, I think you might have a hard time with that specifically because I mean, I think even quads mentioned it in like the pot and there sh- on Canucks convo, uh, when they were talking about that article that, like if Ian Clark leaves, who's to say Curtis Sanford wouldn't go with him? Like wouldn't leave with him. Yeah, right? fair, fair. Like the or just like be like, I'm not gonna extend my contract or take the other job because as soon as it expires, I'm gonna go to work with Ian Clark uh, wherever he goes. Yeah, wherever right? he goes, I'll I'll uh, I'll always be a second hand or whatever. Like I mean, yeah, it's possible. Might, or at the very least, like his heir apparent sort of thing when he feels he's ready. Right? If you just let him Clark walk, you're at, you're taking a massive, massive risk on whether or not Sanford would actually want to stay or, or if he can do it on his own, like, cause he's never done it at the NHL level before. You don't know for sure. Yeah. So it's the matter of you really, you just, they should absolutely resign Ian Clark. They should do it. And if you don't, you're, you are taking a massive gamble a arguably a bigger gamble than the Demco contract itself would ever be. This is the you have to yeah. you have to trust that he's capable of doing yeah. of doing it all and is of doing it and being able to stay with his right with the right coach. Well, that's probably enough uh, goalie talk. Um, why don't it's we never enough to... goalie talk? Oh, there's. <laughs> I mean, I can agree with Chris Faber on something. There is always too much goalie talk. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, gross. Gross. The so on something that also kind of came out of uh, the Demko discussions and I think flew kind of under the radar, like, I mean, rightly so like the COVID outbreak news is kind of priority one, like who who gives a shit like about what, what anything else happened, but Cole Lind uh, what took a high stick to the face in the AHL, like a couple weeks ago, he supposedly had a fractured nose from it and got flown to Vancouver to see a specialist about his fractured nose and just the other day, he got activated to the Canucks taxi squad, which to me sounds like they're posturing for debt trade deadline moves, even in spite of the fact that most of their team is on COVID protocol. Yes. Um, this is actually really clever. Like for all the, for all the shit that we give uh, Jim Benning and his management group over like doing things that sometimes don't make sense. The fact that they bypassed COVID quarantine rules uh taxi squad rules call up rules by saying we're flying a guy from utica new york to vancouver <laughs> to look at a broken nose specialist Genius. is like ah uh, chef's kiss like respect is- real respect real because that is a great way to eliminate or to take advantage of someone who who legitimately is on IR. Like I'm not saying like he wasn't actually hurt. He actually did have a fractured nose, but the team said, Hey, he's not going to be playing for two weeks. So let's just get him to Vancouver where he can rest his broken nose in Vancouver. And then when he's healthy, we can immediately call him up and he'll have already done his USA to Canada quarantine. So real respect, real, this is very smart it sets them up pretty well for the trade deadline. Like now they have some yeah. actual forward depth, not, I mean, they're not depth, like 
and not like in the sense of like actual sense NHL depth, but in the sense that if they did want to move Tanner Pearson, if they could move Brandon Sutter or, you know, Jay Beagle gets a buyer or whatever, they now have the options at forward on their taxi squad to get someone in to replace him and actually see what they can do at the NHL level. And that's what people have been wanting to see from Cole Lind. He had a great year last year. He had a, you know, his underlying metrics weren't great uh, on first line metrics this year, but in nine games, he was, he was pretty good. I mean, he still scored. He still got a good, uh, some good power play points. And it was enough that the timing worked like speaking of all the bad timing for the Canucks in this whole COVID situation, it was great timing for Cole Lind because now a guy who was fighting and should have been fighting for a taxi squad spot at the start of this year's camp now finds himself in a very, convenient position where the team might be calling on him when they get into their first game after this quarantine period is over with their team. Right. So I'm kind of excited because obviously he's been floated at center. He's had time on the wing. So what he's got some utility. I would assume they'd probably stick him on the wing. That's just Even my if guess. say like, uh, cause Pedersen's off, cause Pedersen's on LTIR still mm-hmm. Beagle is on LTIR. Um, like, even with those guys out, you think wing? You think they're I think wing. I think what they would probably would do is they would stick him on the left wing on a line with I don't know, so, like they'd stick him with like Miller and Besser or something. Like you know, just just have to give the complete conditions to to prove you can succeed at the NHL or at least maybe find chemistry with the top line producers because his game is a a, like a distributor pest kind of role which kind of fits in the bottom six type but as we know with the canucks bottom six right now is there's just no finishing ability lately like they're struggling to score like their their best score is adam godet and he's been just so unlucky this year at scoring goals. So I would say and they've he been gets depleted in, by injuries, even with even when even without the COVID stuff as exactly. well. So that hasn't helped either. Yeah. So you would think. I, I mean, I personally would think he would get his first shot as a winger, even though he's spent most of the season transitioning to center. At the very least, it gives them flexibility. So if they do move Jay Beagle or Brandon Sutter, they basically alternate. Okay, do we get? Godet working as a center or a winger, or do we get Cole Lind working as a center or a winger? Like they have, they have the opportunities. I almost want, like, I just wanted to kind of give props to the organization because man, like this was a great way to bypass a very difficult uh, USA to Canada border restriction. And I almost wish they had done it for other players too. Like they could have done this for Jake Keeley and swapped him and Michael DiPietro or something so they can get DiPietro some AHL games. You know why we get mad at Jim Benning all the time? Uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's because there are moments where you can see kind of the, ah, I get it. Like you actually see the method to their madness sort of thing, right? If yeah. Jim Benning was literally just awful at everything, we wouldn't even bother really getting mad because of the fact that it's just like, that's just like, what are we going to, what are you going to do? Right. It's sort of thing. It's the same. It's yeah. almost, you know what it's, he is a general manager is almost the same as like Jake for as a player. They almost kind of are the matchup where yeah. you see it every now and then you see that flash of, Oh, this is a good, this is why you're hired for this thing. That's yeah, why you, we get mad because we, you because almost we can wonder, see it. 
you almost wonder like are they holding back from being very progressive and forward thinking is this a long con is he trying to come off right. cross like it just makes- like the simple simple gym just Oh, just want to make trades to, to stay good. But betting. yeah, yeah. S- simple Alberta boy, just trying to make my way in the universe, making making uh, player for player trades, you know, finding reclamation projects, nothing crazy, just a simple GM. And then, then they do there's a bunch like, of dumb shit, like yeah. signing Jay Beagle to right. a four, four year deal. But then this there's is- like this shit like this where they're like, okay, we're going to claim two guys off of uh the marley's uh waiver wire and then we're gonna we're gonna navigate the cap like getting erickson into the taxi squad and then assigning him to utica for like just a minute so we could then make the cap space work like there's clearly some brains that they do know how to think progressively (laughs) do they need to just threaten a fire to be like that (laughs) that he's on thin ice all the time is that what it takes like do we have to be like literally every time they lose you're on thin ice jim like even if they're like 81 and 0 is that what it gets to make him great moves all the time because he hasn't missed in a while they gave him they gave him a badge at the start of every year and every morning he steps into Aquilini's office. <laughs> Aquilini's like, you're a loose cannon, Benning. You yeah. signed Jay Beagle to a four-year deal. <laughs> Turn in your badge. Take a walk. Imagine, just imagine. That'd be hilarious. Um, it, it'd be oh my rad. God. But anyway. But just- yeah, with Lind, again, I, I, I said it on Twitter that it, it needs to be time to go, okay, we're going to trade all the vets and start playing the kids because it's like we've said that a lot on this program is it is it is see what you got season and and a smart move like this with cole land is definitely like a let's see what we got move and and i'm all for it and potentially you might actually be a better team with the younger players than you will be with the vets you that's that's entirely possible considering some of the flaws that the that the older depth guys have that you so far have been able to mask up pretty well over the last at the last few weeks with guys like VC and Howard Luck in terms of like speed, taking a few less penalties, a bit more, uh, not not as big a risk like a flight risk in their own end. Like those are those are important. Those go a long way. And again, there is no guarantee. Like there's no guarantee it'll work. But I know some people might look at it as like, oh, that's ta- you're tanking. No. They're, this is not. It wouldn't be tanking to say we're going to trade a lot of these older guys uh, while they still have value and bring in the younger guys again because potentially their best years are ahead of them. You will get better theoretically by giving them more opportunities to shine and work as a group as a unit. Yeah. And I do think Lind. I I, I would not be surprised if Lind immediately just jumps in for game one, depending on what's uh, what's going on with the trades. Um, yeah, because it depends on their cap situation, in... trade trade deadline. Like I mean, yes, right now the, the, the teams are, is the team uh, is kind of posturing to not have a game before days. the trade deadline. Like in yeah, theory, nine... they might not play until after the trade deadline, which makes, I mean, there could be a situation where because of their COVID situation that every other team in the league is like, Hey, I don't want any of the guys from, from the Canucks because I don't want to infect my team who's doing pretty well right now. And then post trade deadline, the team is going to have to activate Tanner Pearson. It's going to have to activate Beagle and Pedersen. And then suddenly drop VC. You're going to have to drop VC or Travis Boyd immediately to the waiver wire. And you might lose these, what were once pretty decent pickups and who looked okay. So it's, dicey times man like you look at um 
It's you look at what dress. like a lot of teams are doing in like the states and even in Canada too. Like they're signing all their NCAA players, right? Like, right. There's so much like concern. Cole that, Caulfield was the big one. Yeah, Cole, Cole, Cole. I I think he's playing. I don't know if he's playing tonight, but I know the Laval Rocket are playing tonight. I didn't quite see if he's on the uh, roster. Um, yeah, because all the uh, a- other AHL teams have been playing. It's so weird that yeah, yeah. it's just the comments. Oh, it's, it's like mess. just the comments that like literally both, played, which both is... teams out of commission at the same time. Like this is. I mean, such... I, what a bummer! What a that's why I put bummer. That's why I put out my thing, being like, "Oh, you guys are mad that you haven't seen the Canucks play in a week, huh? Must be tough." Because yeah, I have not covered a game in like a month. It's tiring. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm looking yeah. at the game sheet right now, and I do it's... not see Call Caulfield on it yet. Yeah, he's right. not playing tonight. But this is the time that you have to start thinking about that stuff and planning for that trade deadline and seeing what you yeah. can do and trying to make the moves that you can. Again, it definitely hurts that they're missing. That guys are now on the uh, the COVID list. It definitely hurts. I guess the one in terms of like other teams looking at Canucks players, the one thing those teams might look at is well, they just. <laughs> This sucks, but it's like they just got COVID. They probably won't get it again so quickly almost. Like if they just come back from it, that's almost kind of like the, well, we know they're not going to bring it now. So Mm -hmm. that's, and that's still not a great look at all. It, but I don't know how much it'll hurt them. It, it, it'll definitely, and this was actually, I believe a question from, uh, from, uh, uh, 7890121E. Does the COVID event mean no Canucks trades at the deadline? Yeah, um, they're still possible, s- but it's like there's there's I think like one will a, still happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure at the very least they'll trade one guy. But obviously, I mean, I think what the deal is like because they're in COVID protocol, you can probably trade for them, but you won't get them that get the player nearly as quick as you would hope. Like if you traded for Tanner, Tanner Pearson, he would probably still have to fulfill his current quarantine until he produces three negative tests in a row. So then you add three days to whenever you know he gets traded or and sorry, again, uh, i think i think he's injured so he was actually and he, and he injured, might be right? okay he might be okay in terms of uh he was might not have been at the rink uh yeah or sorry get, um, to be uh on the covid list so like let's say edler let, is a big one let's say like yeah they were gonna actually go through with the rumor of trading adam godet uh he's on covid okay. protocol right now so he would have to produce three negative tests before they can actually move him like like actually fly him to his next team so the team that's acquiring him is probably gonna adjust their offer based on the fact that you're probably losing a full two and a half weeks before you actually get him on your team so that low like lowers the kind of leverage that the Canucks have. So it's like, yeah, the t- Canucks can trade. I'm sure they can dish guys away, but Brandon Sutter's value might be, you know, I mean, it was already low to begin with, but retaining part of his contract and trading him out is probably not going to net a fourth round pick, but maybe a seventh because of the fact that he is currently in, isolation due to covid and isn't going to be playing any games until the trade deadline right so yeah and here's my my thinking on it is i don't think it'll hurt their ability to trade to trade rentals but i do think it'll uh hurt their hurt their ability to make hockey trades for guys with term that's going to be a little more difficult because i mean a few of them on here are guys like i mean roussel is obviously one with term 
Yeah, uh, you he's look got one at, year left. Yeah, you look at um, Eagles got one year left. Eagles he's on got one IR year left. too. He's on IR, diff- a little bit different, but still, um, yeah. it's it's gonna hurt in that regard. I don't think it'll hurt too much on the rentals. Um, I think they'll be still be able to make at least one of those go. But again, that doesn't really help you for next season, which is what again, which is yeah. the most important thing right now. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not, it's, it's about again, setting it's not, yourself up for next year, basically. Yeah, which is, it's not even like in previous seasons where it was like, oh, just trade for draft picks. No, you do need people coming back. Just yeah. they don't, or you need at least cap space coming back yeah. more than you need picks or player or uh, like players that help you at this current moment in time. So that's it is, that. Those rentals don't super help that. That's not going to mm-hmm. help. Rentals aren't going to help that. That's not going to affect how much money you have. Uh, at the start of free agency for Pedersen and Hughes and yeah. other players that come into your system. But I mean, if you can get value for them, uh, that that's not nothing. That's not nothing. If you can make those trades uh, at yeah, all. Exactly. Uh, on the, on the note of the comments, uh, Sean O'Brien of uh, the Calder farm said podcast asked <laughs> who plays first, the Canucks or the Comets. And Ugh. You Thanks know that for I- just, but I think this is what put Cody in a really tough mood to start yeah. the show. I mean, uh, he was a little bit low energy at the beginning. I think uh, that's due to this. So thanks, John. The, the shitty thing about like this question is, I still think the Canucks are actually more likely to play first. Yep, I would agree. Because with that. the Comets had a game that was supposed to be scheduled Wednesday and then Friday, Saturday for this week, and they canceled all three on Tuesday, like the day we recorded. Yeah. Uh, our our previous show. So it's not even a day to day. It's, see. it's, it's not a... even a day to day thing. It's like they're just straight up like this is a disaster in Utica right now because Rochester's playing right now. The team that is rumored to have caused this outbreak on the on the Comets, they are playing as if things are fine. And it is just spread like wildfire to the Utica Comets to the point of they have now missed. I don't even I think nine games now maybe 10 and there's no sign that they're going to return anytime soon whereas the canucks you can go like okay of those seven guys they might produce three negative tests each over the next five days right like they like all all of them could prove that they are fine in three days or two days or whatever it is the comets it just seems like every single week it's just like oh nope more delays uh more issues um i'm sure the i'm sure right now the blues are not happy that uh the team they sent their prospects to uh can't seem to yeah. get a game in either and i wonder how that's gonna impact say business for the canucks because they did have to i believe they paid uh money to the canucks to send players there i don't know if that's yeah for it was sure. like a place to play but it is it is basically like the rental agreement right like hey we're gonna be renting half your team so our prospects have a place to play this year and the i mean you can't fault them like if you if the team if the team contract covid from another team not following the rules i mean what the fuck you supposed to do but the fact is like the blues are probably like oh geez like we just had dakota joshua up for two weeks in our lineup we kind of like what we saw we want him to keep playing so he can keep developing because he might actually be something for us but now if they send him off the taxi squad, there's nothing for him to play. So no. what they have to do now is manage calling AHL guys up to their taxi squad and onto their team. So that creates way more management for them. So I'm sure they're pissed. Yeah. As are, I'm sure, I'm, I mean, I'm sure Jim Benning and Ryan Johnson are looking at their farm team and they're like, Jesus Christ, this is, 
this is a fucking waste of a season yeah. for like someone from, like Jet Wu, right? Yeah. And and it, I mean the whole DPHO thing as well. Like we went now it's gone to that that situation where it's like we can, they can't even even if they want even if they did find a goal a way to send him to Utica, he's not going to get games there either. Like that yeah. doesn't matter anymore. It's this has been this week has been was not such great. a bummer has been yeah. such an absolute bummer and literally i remember i asked you on tuesday i think it was or yeah it was tuesday before the our, our tuesday show i asked you i said to you uh, in the in when we were chatting uh like how do we make this season that the rest of this year fun for people like yeah what do we do? Because we are because free booze, baby. Yes, That's we're it. news. That's all yes, we got. We're a we're a newsy podcast, but we're also entertainment, or at least we try to be entertaining for you guys. Um, we do. We do. And honestly, I will just straight up ask you guys, as who anyone who listens, uh, what can we do to make this this the end of this year fun? Like, what can we do? Because at this point, I'm just looking at the situation. Like, who knows where this season goes from here? Like, how long yeah. it is before this team plays games again? What can I be doing? And what like. I, obviously, there's nothing I can do to say, you know, go get vaccinations for the players and make them all, like, and put get them all back to 100%. There's nothing we can do in that regard. So, mm-hmm. like, what can we be doing in terms of making the at least this break in this short-term amount of time or just the end, up until the end of the season? Like, what can we do to make it more enjoyable? Like, are there things we could be doing on the regular uh, outside of just the show or even in or within the show that would uh, make the rest of the year as good as as entertaining and enjoyable as humanly possible well, so let us we'll know ha- we'll have to figure that out um yeah we won't be figuring that out this episode no. uh but we appreciate you guys tuning into this episode and we're so so like <laughs> this is like our so close- sorry this is our close up like every episode over the past like i don't know like two weeks just like we, had we are so sorry that it is just depressing news no, we had that this week was unavoidable stretch. but i mean maybe next week they'll sign Patterson do like a really nice deal. Maybe, maybe Francesco will be like, Hey, we may, we should probably sign some people before it's too late. And he decides to do it. I don't know, but we, we from the crease cast are very sorry that this episode was all about bad news. Thank you for tuning in. If you want (laughs) more of our content, Quick, what's a our... good thing? What's a good thing that happened this week that we can say besides the Demco signing? There's got to be one. There's got to be one uh... other good thing you can throw in there. Other that's to you. Like maybe something good happened to you. I don't know. Like uh, I don't know. I be... I uh, I've so you know that windstorm that happened in Vancouver the other week. Yes. Uh, it broke my uh, fence on my patio, and so I fixed that's it. Not fun. Oh, you no, but I fixed it, it so okay. that was fun. But <laughs> that's okay. all I got. That's all you got. Good lord. That's all I got. Um, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't have much either other than, uh, yeah. we, we have this podcast where we're supposed to talk. We about have this podcast things. where we, in, and we, I, didn't hey, get anything. we have the podcast. We have yes, the podcast. We have e- a, the, the past week was the friends we made along the way. And, yes. uh, we appreciate you guys for tuning into this episode, even though it was kind of a downer. Um, make sure to check out our YouTube channel where we post everything in abbreviated formats now, because obviously some people were wanting things in smaller chunks. Um, shame on you, frankly, for making Lachlan work extra hard uh, <laughs> on this stuff, but Hey, no, I mean, I was gonna he do does it. it. He does it for the fam because that's what he does. Um, but yeah, quit making work for my boy here. Um, 
follow us on our patreon too if you got a dollar to spare like we put out weekly or we don't put out weekly episodes but we try to get out as much extra spare content where we do where we just talk about random shit as much as possible um lachlan where can the fine fans of the crease cast follow you you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also TikTok on, at Lock in the Crease. Uh, and you can find uh, CreaseCast on other social media platforms as well, uh, on Twitter, on Twitter as, as well as uh, Instagram. We have an Instagram now and a Facebook page now as well, yeah. uh, both of which teams. you can check out. Yes, and uh, yeah, and then you can read my writing at uh, lockinthecrease.com where I do the North Division Power Rankings every single week i'm going to have to find a uh a different sort of angle for this week because it was uh yeah. it's hard to it's hard to really grade teams when uh, one of them didn't hasn't played uh and won't yeah. play for a while uh yeah. cody what about you the uh fine fans of the crease cast can find follow me on twitter at cody sievertson my work eventually will be on cometsharvest.com as well as my instagram at cometsharvest uh until then folks thanks for tuning in we really appreciate it uh, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting network. Thanks again for following the CreaseCast, and we'll see y'all on our next episode next Wednesday, where we hopefully have better news to talk about. Have Bye. a great long weekend. Bye. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.